Welcome back to Talking Troy. I'm Patrick Warren, joined by Justin White. And man, we got some stuff to talk about tonight. We just watched the USC Arizona State game. And, you know, it's March 9th, Thursday. You know, it's a time where college basketball is at its highest. And USC is out of the Pac 12 tournament after losing 77 72 to the Sun Devils. Justin, what are your immediate thoughts after watching this game? Uh, well, obviously, very disappointing. Um, it felt like ASU just couldn't miss. It felt like USC couldn't make a shot. Um, had a few players get into foul trouble. Uh, AS, the defense on from ASU, to me, is what really stood out. It was very... I felt like they were very aggressive. They were very annoying all game run long, uh, smothering the USC shooters. Um, and... Overall, just a disappointing night. Drew Peterson did not have a very good game either, and that's what really stands out to me. Um, that back injury is really uh, hurting him. So, those yeah, are definitely. My thoughts. Yeah, he he was two for twelve from the field. Uh, he hit a couple three point shots, or he hit one three point shot late in the game that kind of put some juice into the USC uh, bench. I mean, at halftime the score was thirty nine twenty five Arizona State. Arizona State, you know never gave up their lead all game and it you know they i think were off to an eight point run in the first minutes of the game and usc kind of fought back in the end there and made it seem like a closer game than it was and the box score even makes it seem like it was a closer game there's you know usc had one more rebound um you know they only had a couple more personal fouls uh or really just one more only only three more turnovers but this game really never felt that close, even when USC was kind of making a bit of a comeback towards the end. You know, it's you know it's not a close game when you know we were just watching it as a sports staff. When we were like, oh, maybe they're back in this when they were you know down ten instead of sixteen with four minutes left. You know, it's yeah. it was never as close of a game as maybe the final score even even says. Uh, that surprised me. You said that USC actually had one more rebound than ASU did. Watching it, it did not feel like that. Certainly, it felt like. USC absolutely got out rebounded all game long. They just got dominated on the boards, at least, yeah. or at least from just watching that. Yeah, right. Like obviously the stat sheet says something else, but watching it definitely felt like uh, they got dominated on the boards. They did have 14 offensive rebounds to uh, to USC's 10. So I mean that definitely made a big part of it. But really, the story of this game is Desmond Cambridge. He's a guard for Arizona State, and listen to this stat line. 27 points off of 10 from he's 10 from 21 from the field, 6 from 12 from three point. He made six three pointers in a college basketball game. Insane. Ridiculous. I mean, game of his life, like just unbelievable. Um, and that really was kind of the the knife in the back of USC. Arizona State shot 43% from the line as a whole from three. You know, mm-hmm. that's that that'll do it. Uh, they took a whopping 32 attempts. Um mm-hmm. Um, they, they were really lights out shooting. It seemed like every other basket they were just making, it was just a, you know, it was like you're playing with Steph Curry on 2K. I mean, it was ridiculous. And what's what's crazy to me is actually I'm looking at the box score right now. Nothing really jumps out to me just looking. Obviously, USC had a much better second half than, um, than a first half. They scored 47 points in the second half compared to 25 in the first. But nothing in the box score says to me that they got dominated. But I feel like we were watching the game and we felt like USC was just getting dominated. No, absolutely. I mean, 
what really I think was the game was Drew Peterson made a pass. I believe it was down to Reese, Sticks and Waters, and it bounced off his hands and went out of bounds. Reese wasn't even looking at the ball, I don't think, actually. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was it went behind his back, didn't even touch him. And that was off um, after, like, a big, you know, missed shot on the other side. Because it got to a point where it was just like, if USC could get a stop on defense, it felt like a win. It felt like a big opportunity was coming up. Even going on, like, a five- or six-point run felt like a lot. Um, but there was a lot of wasted opportunities, especially down towards the end, even though they did kind of make that climb back. They they did not follow through on the offensive side of the ball, even when their offense when their defense was looking a little bit better. Yeah, I think um, first of all, that was definitely a game changing play that missed pass there, um, and obviously the the missed shots close to the end of the game didn't certainly didn't help. And it kind of I think we we all were frustrated seeing them make those those last couple of threes near the end. And it's like, well, you want to you want to make these shots now when when it feels like the game's already over. Well, you know, it's a little bit late for that. No, exactly. I mean, let's. I'm kind of going through the play by play, and right now, there were one, two, three, three threes in the last 30 seconds that we that USC made. Um, you know, with with 19 seconds left, it was a five point game. With 13 seconds left, it was a four point game. But you know, by that time, it was just a little bit too much, too too little, too late. And you know. Even when USC was within four with, you know, 13 seconds left because there was so little time on the clock. And because at that point, you know, Boogie Ellis, kind of the, the star of the team, had fouled out after just scoring 15 points. Um, you know, he played okay today, but was not, you know, the version of himself that, that wins games for USC. Um, he fouled out as well as Kobe. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, it just, it, it just was kind of a flop. It was it was nothing that you would expect from a team that you know was playing some good basketball going and in, going into the postseason. But at the same time, I mean, this is an Arizona State team that is hungry. They were on the bubble before tonight. I think they should get in now after tonight. I think they will get in after tonight, even if they lose tomorrow. Um, but I mean, USC is not, it's not like they're not on the bubble as well. I think that they should be still safe. They should still make the tournament as maybe a, a 10 or 11 seed. But I think that it, it worries me a bit to see, it, you know, a team that did not play as hungry as maybe it should have played. Yeah, no, I think they'll still definitely make the tournament. I think that that was pretty much locked up before this uh, Pac-12 tournament even started. But uh, certainly, I think the same situation with the women's basketball team. Um, it's concerning that we're getting ready to go into a tournament after watching a performance like this, watch them flop pretty hard, and now we're worried about, well, what are they going to look like uh, in their next game, especially with uh, their star, Drew Peterson. He, he's injured, um, did not play well, and I'm sure he'll he'll probably play the next game after getting to rest a bit, but it's just, it's certainly worrisome for the next round, or the, excuse me, the next game. Totally. And I think another presence that was really missing was Vincent Iwachukwu, who's, you know, the seven-footer freshman who made a miraculous recovery from uh, cardiac arrest over the summer. And it really turned into a great, you know, defensive presence for the Trojans. Obviously, his size just adds so much to to the team. Um, and there was a lot of instances, especially on defense, where we saw, you know, the Trojans giving up these offensive rebounds that if they had someone 
you know, of, of Iwachuku's stature, you know, it would, they would not have 14 offense rebounds. They might have a few less. And I think that makes a big, big difference, especially when a lot of those rebounds offensively led to second chance points that Arizona was cap- Arizona state was capitalizing off of. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I feel like that size was definitely missed tonight. I think there was a quite often, uh, on the court, uh, we were talking about it all, all night long. It felt like Drew Peterson was the tallest guy on the court, and he's, what is he, 6'9"? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's usually doesn't get it done when your tallest guy is six, only 6'9". Six, right, and when he's, when he's clutches back. So, yeah, I mean, hopefully hopefully Drew's, you know, back injuries can be a bad thing for your basketball uh, playing abilities. I should know this after having some, some of my own back injuries back in the day. Not really, nothing bad. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was about to ask, like, yeah. what, what's going on, man? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's an important part of your body, especially as a basketball player when you're running down the court shooting. So, you know, our our great friend Bill Walton said something in, along the lines of, you know, you can have either a spinal cord injury that is leaving you paralyzed, or you can, you know, have some just slight discomfort. And obviously, Drew is somewhere in the middle in there. I'm assuming he's kind of more on the the less extreme end of that. Uh, certainly, certainly hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Bill Walton, he was definitely on one tonight as well. <laughs> Had some great one-liners. I, I, I said earlier to everybody that I feel like Bill Walton's great when you're winning. You love laughing to Bill Walton, but when you're losing, you're just like, shut up. <laughs> yeah, he is. Um, he's hysterical. I can't. I can't say that I've listened to many games that he's announced, <laughs> but he's he's very entertaining to listen to. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Near the end there, I kind of just just wish he would stop talking. <laughs> but uh, that was more just me being irritable and angry that my Trojans were down and losing and out. But he is uh, he's he's quite the character for sure. Totally. Well, let's go over a bit of USC season on on the bas- on the men's basketball side of things from a whole. So I mean, the season got off to a really strange start with a home loss to Florida Gulf Coast University, where you know, Andy Enfield, or the Trojans head coach, uh, used to be uh, coached there, and um, that was that was a strange way to start the season. Um, it kind of put some concern into many many people's you know minds uh, as the season began. Of what is this team really capable of if they're going to drop a game to a Florida Gulf Coast team that I can't imagine you know too many other teams in Power Five conferences would lose to. Uh, yeah, and so uh, the team also got its uh, fair share of awards and accolades as well. Boogie Ellis and Drew Peterson, uh, obviously they had great seasons. They were named to the All-Pac-12 first team. Kobe Johnson, uh, Joshua Morgan named to All-Pac-12 defensive team as well. Reese Dixon Waters picked up six Man of the Year honors. Trey Wright uh, named the Pac-12 all all rookie team is that what they call it the all rookie team really? yeah yeah and he had really? a great year i mean he's he's a really scrappy player he had a couple moments in the game where he you know he didn't play great today i mean his final score he scored oh he scored 16 points you know that, that's pretty solid you know and he, he made two three-pointers which really is not much uh that's not typically his game but he he did a good job kind of picking up some of the slack that was left on the table reese dixon waters also waters kind of well, I'm kind of going back to tonight because I can't kind of stop thinking about it. <laughs> uh, he also did well off the bench, uh, and he was, you know, named sixth man of the year, so fittingly so. Uh, he had six, 16 points tonight. Um, and, yeah, so, I mean, 
I think that like, you know, Josh Morgan is a player who also has a big impact on the defense, especially when he's when he's healthy. He had some shoulder issues earlier in the year um, that kind of or sorry, excuse me. He had some ankle an ankle issue, sprained ankle um, that kind of, you know, has taken him out a little bit. And he, he didn't look on completely on his game tonight. Um, but I mean, especially when we can have when the Trojans can have. Morgan and Iwachuku in where they have these options that are, you know, taller, taller people, taller bigs. Like that's, that's important for, especially to make a late run in the tournament. Um, so I'm very interested to see kind of what the updates on Iwachuku are kind of in addition to, to Morgan. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Boogie Ellis, uh, he also had some high praise for uh, Kobe Johnson specifically. He was asked uh, post game Saturday, after the game, um, what allowed them to be succe- so successful on defense, ironically enough, against Arizona State, um, <laughs> who they certainly played a lot better against uh, that day. But Ellis r- replied, Kobe Johnson, when we have guys like Kobe that are in the passing lanes, guys like Reese, Drew's length, and me being able to apply pressure pressure and get steals, we're a great defensive team and we're just going to keep getting better. It's March, so we have to bring our defense and our toughness, end quote. So, Patrick, if USC stays as a 10 seed or somewhere around there, what do you think their ceiling is in the tournament? Yeah, I mean, I think if it, you know, you reading that quote, kind of, I could, I could envision this, this great defensive team that the Trojans have been a lot of the times this season, but they, they weren't tonight. And, and I think it's difficult because, I mean, tonight, like, it just kind of feels uh, like Cambridge had, like, one of the best games of his life. I mean, he shooting lights out. Like it's and a lot of those shots were contested shots. It's not like the defense was terrible at times in this game. I mean, they switched from playing man to zone, and that that looked good for a little bit there uh, in the second half. But I think if if USC can kind of keep up their defensive efforts and not get too down after this after this loss, um, they could make a a run. But I I think their ceiling might be like maybe they can make the Sweet Sixteen. Um, I don't know exactly who they would be lined up to play against. I think there's, you know, the seven seeds are like Duke, Texas A&M, like Northwestern maybe. Um, and some of those teams, I'd be worried about them even, you know, winning in that in the first round and making the round of 32. So I do think that it will be difficult. I don't think that Trojan fans should get their hopes too much. Um, maybe between the men's and women's team, we can see a Sweet 16 uh, team this season from from USC, but I don't know if I really don't know if we will on either side, and especially men's side. I, th- I think I feel even worse about that than, than the women's side. Yeah, I think after, oh, especially after watching this uh, ASU game, um, really what you have to hope for is that they go into that locker room, they go home tonight, and they do some what's what's the term i'm looking for i suppose some soul searching searching. (laughs) yeah some soul searching i didn't want to go like that extreme i feel like that's kind of like a harsh way to put it but yeah some soul searching and um i think ideally you know hopefully this will like light a fire under them you know what i mean and i think it's especially after tonight i think sweet 16 would be a a very that would be a pretty good thing Honestly, yeah. like I think I think that's a pretty high goal. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they're going to go that far, but if they did, honestly, I personally would be pretty happy about that. Um, obviously, you want 
you always want more than that, especially at a school like this with so many championships. Are we are we sure that that, that USC basketball has never won a national <laughs> championship? I feel like I've asked you that three times. We we it were talking about this today, and surprisingly enough, USC's never won a basketball championship. That shocks me with the championship culture around this school. That USC basketball has men's basketball at least has never won a national championship. That is just crazy to me. But um, no, yeah, it, it is it is it is kind of shocking, and I think you know. I guess UCLA has kind of had that role in LA while USC has kind of taken the the football, the crown of football. Um, but I mean, I think that the good thing about this year and the good thing about the future of USC basketball is there is a lot of championship potential with the recruitment that's been going on, you know, signing uh, Isaiah Collier. Um, that was huge. Um, the number one player in the, in high school last year. Um, and I think like, you know, we're going to show some audio from this later to uh, later in this episode from Boogie, but kind of just building that championship culture and attracting those recruits is kind of what we've seen happen you know, in the last couple the, of years. You know, the 81 season uh, they made with, the uh, Elite Eight and lost to Gonzaga. Like, that was a big kind of step in the program. Um, last year, obviously, a team lost in the first round, but they had a really good year and they, you know, built up kind of a name for themselves in basketball. And, and this year, while they were kind of a disappointment in some regards they still have a solid you know have a solid year and they'll, they'll make the tournament yet again most likely um i think like you know that's where you know tonight as you said you know go home do some soul searching and then i think this is where the senior leaders need to step up on the team and you know kind of console everybody and be like all right like this is it like this is you know our last kind of ride as a complete unit and so you know boogie ellis and drew peterson need to kind of step up like you know not step up i you know I think from all accounts, they, they are good leaders on this team, but I think they need to continue that and, you know, kind of rally the troops a little bit and get, get ready for, you know, the biggest stage in college basketball. And, and you bring up the recruiting. And I think, uh, obviously, we got the top high school player in the country coming to USC, but I think for the future, uh, especially with the move to the Big Ten looming, we were talking about football, how all those, we think all those big offensive linemen and those, those Midwestern states who usually go to schools like Ohio State or Michigan or, you know, Nebraska, wherever, you know, they usually go there. I think now those those big guys are going to come to USC to play football instead. And I think the hope is with the Big Ten, uh, the move to the Big Ten, is that the same thing can kind of happen um, to the basketball team, is that we get that Midwestern talent and they – are kind of persuaded to come to USC and play against these schools that maybe they would have been playing for instead. Um, but yeah, at least in the here and now, I think it definitely has to be Boogie Ellis and Drew Peterson. I mean, they're they're the leaders of the team. Um, they're the guys who I would say, or I would hope, would step up in the locker room, be like, hey, look, we're seniors. We want to go out. We're probably not going to go out on top, but I'm sure they're going to say that in the locker room. We want to go out on top, so we gotta, we gotta go out there and we gotta play every night. I was going to use a more expletive way to phrase that, <laughs> but I, I, I had to tone it down a little bit. Uh, we gotta go out there every night and we gotta play hard, and because we want to win, you know, we want to leave a legacy here and we want to uh, at least go home, even if we go home in a loss, go home happy, knowing that we did everything we can. Absolutely. Yeah, so Selection Sunday, it's going to be this Sunday, so keep an eye out to see where the Trojans land, but 
I think we can be optimistic about this team without being overly hopeful. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm ready to have some fun. You know, March Madness is the best. Regardless of what team you're rooting for, it's a fun time to see all the upsets and everything. And, you know, then one nice thing about USC being a 10 or 11 seed if you're a USC fan is you can't get upset if you're a 10 or 11 seed. You can do the upsetting, which is even better. So let's take a look into who, you know, we've been talking about a lot tonight, Boogie Ellis. You know, he's had a really interesting story kind of in his journey to USC. He started as a Duke commit, ended up, uh, you know, going to Memphis, and then eventually found his way to USC. And so reporter Marco Alvarez wrote a really great profile on him. I think everybody listening to this should go check it out on dailytrojan.com. Um, but if you want to hear a little bit about you know, his experience talking to Boogie and a little bit uh, of the sound from Boogie. We'll play that right now. So I'm from San Diego and so is Boogie. And I've been following, you know, his, um, I guess, career path, you know, since he was in high school, since he was at Mission Bay as a senior. And it was a big deal when he committed to Duke because, um, you know, not a lot of San Diego basketball players end up committing to one of the best basketball schools in the country. So that was a big deal. Everybody knew about it. Um, and he ended up, you know, decommitting and going to Memphis. But, you know, still been following him for a while. And it's so cool that he's here now and I'm here now. And um, he's, like, constantly improved as a player. And it's just been so cool to see. You know, I try to get better every year. Uh, so I feel like I got better from my freshman year to sophomore year, uh, junior year to senior year. So I'm just all about getting better with me. But um, seeing him take such a massive step up now and, you know, be arguably the best player on the team was is super cool. I mean, he's leading leading the team and, you know, just as a player and stats, I mean, he's he's amazing. Everything he does, I mean, he's constantly topping himself like every every single game, every single performance. He talked a lot about his work ethic, how he just didn't stop working. And I think that's like, that's an amazing um, attitude to have. You know, he didn't give up. He could have given up. He really struggled at Memphis, but now he's here and he just continued to get better. And he stressed that he trusted himself. That was some of the words he used. Uh, I don't really have goals for myself. I. I, I... I really um, believe that if you win and you continue to do what you do, um, that you'll be rewarded with uh, individual um, rewards. So he's a pretty quiet guy. He doesn't, you know, let up on a lot of what he's thinking. But um, I could tell that, you know, by watching him play, the, the recent performances he's had, he's he set like a career high in points, like multiple different times this season. I mean, he's just, he's just playing on another level right now, and I think that that speaks for him. Um, just seeing his play. You know, going into the Pac-12 tournament and then, like, hopefully beyond that as well. I, th I think it just proves that he's ready. He's ready to go. He's ready to prove himself. So in contrast with men's basketball, the tournament resume for USC women's basketball is complete. Now, the Trojans just have to wait until Selection Sunday to see if their team will participate in the NCAA tournament. So let's dive into that resume and discuss if they deserve an at-large bid into the field. Yeah, so kind of similar record. Uh, the, the women's basketball finished as the men's team, you know, twenty-one and eight. Uh, you know, respectable record, but kind of, you know, nothing, nothing that stands out completely. Um, they finished eleven and seven in conference play. You know, so, solidly over five hundred, uh, but again, nothing insane. Uh, that put them in sixth place in Pac-12. So you know, middle of the pack there. Um, and the, I mean, the Pac-12 had a strong season this year in women's basketball. They had five teams in the most recent AP poll. 
So looking at some of their best wins, you know, by far their biggest win came January 15th. They beat Stanford 55-46 at home. Um, it was a huge game, for huge win for the Trojan program. Uh, the Cardinal was the number two ranked team in the country. So that was kind of a season-defining moment really for the team. Um, they also beat Colorado by 17 when the Buffalo uh, were ranked number 25 in the country. So they've definitely proven that, you know, their merit, they've proven they can play with some of the best teams, not only in the conference, but, you know, in the country as well. So obviously you had those two big, very solid wins, but when evaluating teams' resume, obviously you have to look at their losses, their bad days as well, and they had some pretty bad losses at the end there in their second game with Stanford. They lost to the Cardinal by only three points when they were 14-point underdogs, so if there's such thing as a good loss, that is a good loss, and it I think it did help the Trojan resume. But they also matched that good loss with a pretty bad one with an eight-point loss to Oregon State in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament, getting bounced in the first round, obviously. The Beavers were 4-14 four and 14 in conference play during the regular season. Only 4-14, four and 14, and three of those four wins came in Corvallis, where Oregon State obviously has a pretty big home court advantage. That is not what we call a good loss for USC at all. Not at all. The Trojans also lost to Oregon by 28 points, and I don't really think I need to talk about how bad it is to lose a game by 28 points. It doesn't matter who you're playing. You're not going to make that one look good. Totally not. Yeah, that that Oregon State loss was really a shock. I don't know what happened there. I, I was not able to watch the game. 4-14 and 14 in conference play, you know, that's not a team that should should beat this USC team that has a lot of star talent. Um, and has you know the ability to make a run in the NCAA tournament, but was not able to do so in the Pac-12 tournament. So where do you think USC stands in terms of the NCAA tournament? You know, I'm I'm thinking they're probably going to be around a nine or ten seed with that record, which you know the ten seed has a lot of potential to upset that seven seed. We've seen that upset happen a lot. So there's a chance for them to make a run, but I mean I think it will really be interesting to see who their first round matchup is against. Yeah, I think uh, definitely they deserve to make the tournament just because the beginning of the season, their record's been very strong. They've had some really good wins against some good teams, but I think they're kind of falling off at the wrong time. Like I said, those two bad losses against Stanford and Oregon and then Oregon State, it's just, it feels like they're falling apart and kind of losing losing their momentum at the wrong time of the season. So they're going to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, I don't know how confident I feel about them making a run, though. Yeah, no, that's very fair. I think it really will depend on some of their star players. You know, they have a solid uh, front court, or, uh, excuse me, back court with Destin Littleton and Raya Marshall, um, who really have come on to the scene and you know done a great job. De- Littleton's averaging 13.8 points, um, and then Marshall's averaging 12.6 with 11.4 rebounds. And it's just been a force on the defensive end. Um, she's been, you know, huge for this program. She's a sophomore, uh, you know, stayed after, stuck around after her her senior or her freshman year, excuse me. Um, so yeah, there's. I think there's, you know, with any of this, you know, we'll probably sound like idiots in a couple weeks when you know, hmm. who whatever happens happens, and you know, we're privy to being wrong about this. But yeah, of course, I, I think, of course. you know, there's a chance that that. USC can can make a run, but I do think, yeah, I think you're right. Like the this, the loss to Oregon State really just sticks out as kind of what happened there. And depending on how they respond, some teams you know drop a, a goose egg in the in the conference tourney and 
turned around by the NCAA and are maybe more motivated by kind of embarrassing themselves on more of a regional or national stage, other teams lose that momentum completely and kind of fall apart in the tournament. So it really is anybody's call. And so we'll move on from those team pros from the team's prospects of the uh, for the NCAA tournament, and we'll look at one specific player who has really anchored the Trojan defense this season. Uh, we spoke with staff writer Anthony Garib, who wrote a profile on guard Rhea Marshall and her impact this season. This season, she was just had some really ridiculous games, like twenty points, twenty rebounds, or like a thirty point, fifteen rebound game, and then she was just getting blocks. Like all, every, basically like every game she gets a block, but she had some big games where she had like seven blocks, eight blocks. Um, there was a game, I think against Stanford or Arizona, I think it was Arizona. Um, she had a huge monster game against the ranked team and they won. So it was like a big breakout game. So for me, I just kind of knew like I wanted to do a story on her because not only was she just super talented and she was a big part of this resurgence of women's basketball at USC, but she also had like a really interesting background. Uh, it was it was kind of challenging growing up. Grew up in poverty slightly. Um, got to ninth grade. That's kind of like when things got a lot better for me because it was like basketball picked up. Um, my mom got a really good high paying job. I remember that was like the first time I actually had my own room. She could have easily transferred after the first year, which a lot of like the big players. Uh, the more experienced players did. Uh, but she had such a great freshman year. She was on all-freshman team. Um, so it, she could have easily transferred, could have easily left. But she decided to stay with it. She decided to stick and and continue to help with this, I guess, quote-unquote, rebuild of the program with, with Coach Lindsey Gottlieb. So it just she's been a really big part of, obviously, there's been a lot of transfers that they've had, but she's just been a really big part of just holding down the defense and playing her role and, and the thing that makes her special is like she's such a unique talent where she could be out on three-point line she could dominate in the paint she, she could live around the mid-range and then defensively she's so versatile so when you have a weapon like that at your disposal like if you're Lindsay Gottlieb you can really utilize it in so many different ways so she's definitely helped them out and they've been a really great defensive team this season and there's no doubt in my mind that that Reyes played a big part of that one thing I knew how to do before I got to college was to compete, and I never mm -hmm. forgot that. Ellis yeah. taught me how to compete and just, like, be a dog on what, I, what I'm good at, you know? Yeah. That's what I was here to do. You know, she's very well aware of the history of the program and how when she came, they were really trying to get back to that. So it would help a lot, especially with number one player in the country coming next year in Juju Watkins. Just getting that momentum for Rhea would be great um, as she goes into her junior year. And I think it would help not only the team, but help her with some confidence and just like she's just a, an outstanding talent so to have that more experience under her belt at a collegiate level I think we'll do wonders for a game so it should be very exciting to see how she plays I'm very interested all right well Anthony thank you so much yeah, of course thank you for having me all right well to today's episode just to kind of give a little recap we talked about our instant reactions to USC men's basketball's loss to Arizona State we heard a little bit about Boogie Ellis from reporter Marco Alvarez. We talked about the women's team and their prospects for the NCAA tournament, as well as hearing about Raya Marshall from Anthony Garib. So Justin, why don't you take us out? All right. This episode of Talk of Troy was hosted by Patrick Warren and Justin White, written by Kyle Frankel, Thomas Johnson, Layla McKenzie, and edited by Patrick Warren. Talk of Troy is one of four shows of the Daily Trojan Podcast Network. 
You can find more episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts as well as our website, dailytrojan.com. Thank you for listening.